Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Doing well, Russell. Certainly can better than the uh, local hockey team, that's for sure. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a minute. And Michael Jello, how are you? I am on location, and I am wonderful, gentlemen. How are you? Good, good, good. <laughs> All right, Ant, let's start with the, uh, with the hockey game that featured uh, no goaltending, no defense. Nope. Just a lot of rip-roaring <laughs> scoring and 80, 80 style. <laughs> just a million shots and neutral zone turnovers. And I don't know. What do, what do we make out of that game? One big hot mess. Uh, <laughs> I can describe this game. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it was just the thing was it, that you, you kind of took notice that and watching the Flyers defense, um, even when they got themselves up by five to two, there was n- you never had sort of that feeling that even the three goal lead was going to be safe the way the kind of the, the game was going. That yeah, the, sure. there was far too many opportunities, and as the game was going on, even in the second period, you could see the Leafs, you know, opportunities beginning to continue to climb and continue to climb, and it was just one of those things where you were just waiting, in many ways, waiting for the dam to break, and it was almost, in many ways, it was almost surreal that Philly actually had built up a lead, a, a three goal lead at that point, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you get those opportunities and you cash them, then you then you have to tighten things up defensively, and they just didn't have that. No, and uh, Mike, what was, what was your thought? How was your blood pressure? How did it go for you? Well, I mean, I, I said before we started recording that, uh, you know, Frederick Anderson was doing his best Hardy Asterman to, uh, imitation. It was, he, was, <laughs> he, was a, he was a sieve for, I would say he was responsible for at least three and maybe four of the five goals that uh, that uh, the Flyers built the 5-2 lead on. I mean, the one uh, that Voracek scored off of the, fa- off of the clean face-off win against uh, with Patrick completely uh, burning Austin Matthews on the face-off. I mean, you've got to be ready for it. Even though most of the time you don't get a clean draw like that, you have to be ready for it. Yeah. And a couple of the other goals, uh, the one that dripped through his pads, one of the Van Riemsdyk goals and the Gudis shot were, were, were terrible. So, I mean, you know, the Leafs had a bunch of shots and they're down five to two, but like, like Anthony said, it's like, it was just a matter of time because the Leafs, as they usually do in the second half of the game, they start to find themselves offensively and they, 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 you know, Jake Muzzin all of a sudden was doing his best Bobby Orr or, or Brent Burns. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how those goals scored. I mean, the the one the second one late in the second period picked the top right hand corner. And it was magic. That was magic. Yeah, yeah. And then the Martin Marin the Martin Marinson goal. I mean, you can just imagine. I said you can only stop him. You can't hope to contain him. I mean, it's just. I yeah. mean, It's Martin Marinson. This is not uh, you know not an actual NHL defenseman, but it got by him, and they ended up coming back and winning the game. All right. So, Ant, let's. I'm gonna. I'm going to be like a trial lawyer here, and I'm going to lead you into some questioning here. So <laughs> the, the first question is, we know Carter Hart will get the next game and maybe the game after that. So yeah. the next game that Carter Hart doesn't start, who starts for the Philadelphia Flyers? <sighs> Just that pause. Hold on. I'm going to hold that pause. <laughs> Because just that pause is why I can never figure out this goaltending, and neither could the team all no. season long. No. Wayne Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, Wayne that'll Stevenson. be next. Yeah. 
you know, can't can't Talbot's sort of a suggestion at this point rather than an actual goaltender for the Flyers, apparently. Right. He's there. He's a suggestion. Maybe you want to use him. Just a thought. It's not like he had a bad performance, la- you know, in his last hour. No. It's just for some reason, and as 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 well as as many good buttons, as many buttons as Scott Gordon has been able to push mm-hmm. to get the Flyers where they have been. The Brian Elliott thing has has, has reached the point now where I, I got it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But last like, in the Islander game, certainly for some reason he had the Islanders number. Right, he just did. Now was there was, was there some luck involved? Absolutely, in some of the in in in, in the Islanders. Yeah. That being said, he was able to make critical saves down the stretch, and it's almost like Gordon was like, "Yep, that's." That's the guy I'm gonna I'm gonna ride here while you know until until Hart's better, and I don't know what's going on necessarily behind the scenes that makes them think, you know, you, you've acquired you already you already acquired Talbot. You're supposed to at some point here get somewhat of an idea of whether or not he's the guy that you I mean, you acquired him with the with the express consent that you want to get a look at him to see. If this is the, the the man you wanted back, you know, backing up Carter Hart next season. Right. Because Brian Elliott has no future with the Flyers. As he right. does, it, it, considering the injury history that he has, it's it's organizational malpractice. Right. So at this point now, whether or not he's just not, in their estimation, reading you know reading well in practice or things of that sort, I think he's played in his in his limited time. He's played well enough in my mind that I think. There, there should be no reason why Talbot shouldn't have the opportunity to start at this point. I think I've seen plenty out of Brian Elliott at, you know, at this juncture to know that there's really no need to, in my mind to continue to trot him out there. And again, I'm not going to lie again. The defense in front of him is absolutely awful this evening. It is. Um, but there has also been quite a few times where Elliott's had makeable stops that he has mm-hmm. not made of late. So in my mind, Talbot should be getting some starts here. I think, in my mind, there's really no need to continue to trot out Brian Elliott there unless there's an injury. Okay. Now, one more question, and then this is another important question. Sam Moran has spent extensive time in the press box. Now that you know, lots the season's pretty. Yes. <laughs> yes, lots of popcorn, and he does. He's a big his pop, man. He eats his a lot. Popcorn per six, his popcorn per sixty is is is, is getting close to NHL uh, <laughs> NHL uh, lead at this point. It is. It is. So, and, and he, go ahead, Mike. And he is determined that he likes Chicago popcorn over the regular Philadelphia popcorn. So. <laughs> We all like that Chicago popcorn. I'd like to get more. All right, but anyhow, so Ant, now that the season seems out of reach, are we going to see Sam Moran, and is there any reason to play Andrew McDonald anymore? Like, I think you need to find out what Sam Moran is. Yeah, I mean, at this point, and again, with Philadelphia, they, the one thing I definitely don't want to see down the stretch in the final 11 games, for God's sakes, just call up Justin Bailey, play him on the darn right. third, on the darn fourth line. Please go with twelve forwards and six defensemen. Right. The eleven-seven format is an absolute disaster for Philadelphia. 
you yeah. can maybe get a, get around it a little bit against a non-elite team. If you're going to drop yeah. that out against the Washington Capitals at certain oh. point and the Tampa Bay, and, and you know I believe they went 11-7 against Tampa Bay and tonight now against Toronto. Yeah, tonight they said they did it because of the flu, though, because Hartman had the flu. That's what they said. Right, because Hartman had the flu, exactly. So that was more of a forced circumstance. But there right. really is no, in my mind, there's no reason – under any sort of circumstance at this point in the final 11 games that we should see a 12, that we should be any, see anything else but 12-6. Okay, now, Mike, I'm going to give you a similar line of questioning. The first one okay. is, for the remaining games, how many games should Freddie Anderson play? Well, I believe they have 11 left now. Um, they have two back-to-backs. They're probably going to play him nine. Um, because now they're within two points of Boston, which is insane. Because if, it is. If, if you if you need more evidence that he is shot, I mean that he's exhausted. Look at the way he has played the last three games. He gave up four goals and got pulled against Tampa. He gave up four goals and got pulled against Chicago. And tonight, if they hadn't pulled him the two games previous, he should have been pulled tonight. But they were going to play Sparks tomorrow, so they didn't want to put Sparks. Uh, and, and have him play back-to-back. So that's why they kept Anderson in. And the team rallied around him. But he's clearly right now struggling. I said you know, on Twitter that he had a case of the yips, that he was like, he's like Chuck yeah. Knobloch or, or, uh, or Steve Sachs, and then somebody threw out uh, Mackie Sasser and uh, Rick Ankeel. So it's like, yeah, yeah he, I mean, he always put the puck in his own net when he was he, 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 stopped, he stopped the long shots from, from on the other side of the red line. He, he tried to stick handle it. He fumbled the, the, the puck, and it almost went over the goal line behind him. He doesn't know what he's doing right now. If he plays nine more, he'll play 61 games. I'd like to tell you how many games other goalies played, but the little dial keeps spinning on NHL.com, and I don't know when it's going to stop. <laughs> but, but, but still, 61 games is a lot. I'm pretty sure that Mark Andre Fleury and maybe well Vasilevsky won't because he got hurt, but Fleury definitely will play more games and maybe Hollabuck, but that's about it. So he's going to be one of three or four goaltenders who's over 60 games. And I, I said I said during the game, the Leafs need a great Freddie Anderson to have a chance to beat Boston. An average Freddie Anderson is 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 doomed for them. If he plays like this, break out the friggin' broom. Yeah, all right, so you're right with um, Marc-Andre Fleury tonight is his 59th. Uh, let's see about Connor Hellebuck. It seems easier to do it this way than the other way I was talking about. Um seemed like I was on dial-up. He's at 53, so he might fall a sh- one short of Anderson. So, yeah, he's he's in the top couple percent of games played, which, yeah, I don't know why you want to do that. There's nothing other than – I don't even know if home ice is a potential still for them, for the Leafs. I, I just don't know why you would play Anderson so much otherwise. Well, that's, that's what Babcock is saying today, home ice and all the other players, home ice, home ice, home ice. Well, okay, you beat Boston one time in four games this year, and the game that you beat them, Patrice Bergeron and Zidane Chara were out. So right. that, should, that should tell you something. Well, I mean, all right, so – then the next question is, do they make any line changes? Because it seems like Babcock's just going to roll with the same lines for, like, the rest of the season. I could be wrong, but it just seems – I just get that vibe, like he's not going to change much. 
Well, I mean, he's going to change when Kapanen is back. This Kapanen's out with a concussion. I mean, they, they had some success tonight with Andrea Johnson playing with Neilander and, and Matthews, and they reunited Neilander and Matthews, so that, that was something that they were looking to do but couldn't justify it because the other Lions were playing so well and Neilander mm-hmm. that well. So I, I think that they're going – I mean, what I, what I think Babcock is going to play around with is with the fourth line, but there are guys right now already – that I, I believe that there's no way in God's green earth that, that, that Mike Babcock is going to play Nick Patan in the playoffs. I agree. He probably won't play Patan very much. So I'm going to attempt to look up some time on the ice numbers from this game. All right, that came up, so that's that's good news. Um, wow. So, <laughs> so time, time on the ice for the defense. Uh, how many nights can you play Ron Hainsey 22 and a half minutes? I get that he had two points, but everybody had two points tonight. Why in the world is he playing 22 and a half minutes? Well, I mean, look, at they're loading that top four of Riley, Hainsey, Muzzin, and Zaitsev for over 20 minutes because he simply doesn't trust the bottom pairing tonight it was Marinson and Hall. And there was a little tidbit this morning that Babcock, I think, inadvertently dropped that it, a lot of people missed when he first said it, and then everybody was talking about it after. He said, you know, Dermot's been back before Gardner. You know, Justin Hall was playing tonight. He's got to grab this job. Basically, one of these guys has to grab this job because there's a spot open. That's basically what he said. And I'm like, okay, what spot is open? Well, it's the spot that Jake Gardner isn't taking because Jake Gardner has a back injury. And if you read between the lines, Babcock is saying, I may not have Jake Gardner which means Igor Ozaganov, Martin Marinson, or Justin Hall is going to be one of your top six in the playoffs, and that spells unmitigated freaking disaster. Yeah, so it really would only because, like, Hall played 11 minutes tonight and, and Marinson played 10. So, like, last game against Chicago, Morgan Riley played 26-37. Tonight he played over 25. Like, yeah. shouldn't you not do that? and play those other guys more towards the end of the season and then worry about it. You know, if you have to play them that much in the playoffs, it's justified. But, again, you are risking burning out Morgan Riley, too. Only, only when they think they have no chance of getting home ice. And with the win tonight, they're two points behind Boston and even in game. So they're going to play this out. They're going to play Anderson as much as they can, and they're going to play their top four as much as they can because Babcock simply doesn't trust his bottom pairing or his backup goaltender. I, 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 I would be surprised. I mean, they said Sparks, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in one of these back-to-backs, going down the stretch, if they're tied with Boston, that he plays Freddie Anderson both ends of the back-to-back. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. – I mean, Ant, it's just, you know – Yikes. We we look at this, and there has to be a point where you just say, all right, you know what, I can't stay on this course, whether we get it or not. I've got to mm-hmm. manage these minutes because we're already behind, under the gun. They may not want to admit it to themselves, but Boston is seemingly a better team on paper. But, I mean, if, if you wear these guys down, what are yeah. you going to have for the playoffs? You're, 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 getting yourself, you're getting yourself into – into what for, really? You really are. Yeah. Like that. You really are. 25, almost 26 minutes of ice time tonight from Morgan Riley. That's, that, that, that's, that's really a high number uh, in that circumstance in terms of him being out there. But 
again, it, it, these are the things that, you know, that they have to kind of manage. And as Mike alluded to, you've got to be able to roll four deep and you've got to be able to roll three D. And at some point here, he, he, in my mind, Babcock's got to start figuring things out here in regards to, um, in regards to his third pairing and the fact that he is going to need them uh, if they're going to have any chance against Boston. Agreed. All right, so go ahead, Mike. Well, just just one last thing. If you notice, the one one area where he is distributing the minutes rather evenly is up the middle. Tavares, Matthew, I didn't Mm -hmm. see the minutes tonight, so maybe maybe one of them was over 20, but normally they're both around 17, 18 minutes, and Kadri's around 15, 16 minutes. And, you know, you, you would think with them at times struggling offensively until tonight, that they would overload Matthews and Tavares, but they haven't done they that yet, and I, and I, no. and I don't know why. That's a, and that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, a bit more efficient. And I, and I wonder, because I'm, look, I'm looking currently at Philadelphia's, you know, distribution. Toronto's forward line distribution, again, I mean, just like Philadelphia in most ways, they, you know, certain players, obviously, they drop back in the single digits. You know, like Philadelphia has Veroni and Knight, obviously, around, you know, less than four minutes, six minutes each. Right. But... The distribution of the center of, uh, of the lion's share of the, of the amount of time that the, the centers are on the ice here, the Leafs had a, a definitely a, a much better, much more staggered approach tonight. Whereas Philadelphia, if you're looking at the Flyers, you're looking at Giroux at 23 minutes. You're looking at well, I'm not Giroux playing center in this circumstance, but you know Couturier is a 20, almost a 23 minutes of ice time tonight. Um, and you go through the remaining parts of the, you know, the remaining parts of the lineup. You get to um, why am I blanking out here on Patrick? Here, Patrick though only has 18 minutes. Right. So they didn't trust Patrick quite as much as some of the other pivots that they've had in the lineup. Lawton was at 14 minutes tonight. So Philadelphia definitely overloading in this case, where I thought Toronto actually was a little bit better with their with their center ice distribution. As yeah, I did want to mention some of the um, some of the youngsters that made. Um, debuts. Eric Branstrom did for Ottawa. They gave him 17 minutes. Yes. Minute 46 on the power play was a plus one. He had a hit. That's that's something that I always bring up about Branstrom is just because he's a smaller guy, he's actually pretty feisty. So he um, he will do that at the NHL level and have hits. He did have a giveaway, but that's okay. It's his first game. Uh, Max Verano actually got the first star. I'm really happy for this kid because I, I cover Princeton, and so I've covered Verano and Kuffner and Tevis. All three guys got signed. I've, I've watched a lot of games for them over the four years, probably like at least 15, maybe more, including playoffs. So nice to see. And, and Verano, I think, will be a top-nine guy for uh, – for Ottawa, I do believe he'll work into that. His speed's real good. Last couple of years, he figured out that he should just shoot the puck more, even though he's a, a playmaker. And it really had opened things up a lot, made them one of the best lines in college hockey. And, and, and I hear Kuffner is going to play whatever Detroit's next game is. I think it's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I hear he's going to make his debut in that. Now, it's a little different for him. Even though he is a good 200-foot guy and even though he – he definitely gets some assists. He's more of a goal scorer. And so he's going to have to prove goal scoring at the NHL level. It's a little harder, and he's not quite as fast as Verano. But I'm still, I'm still hoping for the best. What's good for these kids is they're on teams that have opportunity. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's what all these, co- what these college free agents are looking for in these circumstances. They're looking for opportunity. 
and the chance to be able to, to you know, to, to get a good bite here at the NHL level. Are they going to turn out as, you know, into big scores? We, I think we know what the pattern is for the most part with yeah. college-level players in the circumstance that you're looking for guys who can handle either middle middle six or bottom six in the circumstance over time with, with a little bit of offensive upside. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's the old door. My dog has to go in and out. There's nothing I can do with that. <laughs> I was going to say, are we in a friggin' haunted house here or something? <laughs> it's fantastic. It's a little ambiance for the show. But... <laughs> The interesting thing is, Ant, I think a guy like Max Verano could get, you know, 40, 45 points at the NHL level. I really do. And, and especially if he were to play with someone like Tierney, somebody that he really could work with, that could be a, a nice thing for him. With Kuffner, you know, if you put Kuffner um, with a Michael Rasmussen and, and, and somebody else who's a pretty good playmaker – Ah, mm-hmm. that, you know, you could have something there, too, and he could get 17 goals. And I think that's, you know, those two guys do have that ability. So I think, you know, we're looking at something pretty good here. Now, there's other guys that will eventually come out, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about them down the line. I did also want to mention um, Vitaly Kratsov's not coming over. This was a funny one, Ant, because Tractor basically put up on their website, hey, and they put it in Russian, so I'm obviously given a loose translation here. But it was sort of like, <laughs> hey, we're letting, you know, Kratsov come over and play for the Rangers if he wants to. And so, of course, the, you know, the Rangers negotiated with him. And obviously something didn't go right. And so he's staying back in, in Russia until the contract runs out. And you just, you know, it's one of these things where I don't blame an NHL team late in the season for sort of not giving in for – demands to get a kid early because, hey, you only want to play him 10 games. Anyhow, you're going to burn right. a year of mm-hmm. ELC and you're going to burn um, a year of protection for the for the Seattle draft. So it's like it just seems like these Russian teams get too greedy. It's that, and I think also potentially that you know, Kratsov, I think he, if I recall, he had, he, he had a pretty decent amount of ice time um, yeah. playing, you know, playing, playing for Tractor. So I do think at the same time for the player that, you know, he, he, he taught, I, I, I think it wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing for him to kind of recharge the batteries and then come over once the season's over to kind of get himself acclimated to uh, to New York, I think, in that circumstance. I think that's... But I, I, again, that, that's that's just my read on it in the circumstance. You know why why I think it may have gone in that direction. Yeah, and, and Mike, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say you've certainly dealt with a fair amount of Russian players. You know the Leafs bringing them over, trying to bring them over, and it, it can get very very complicated. Yeah, and the one that that we were talking about this week was Igor Korshkov because uh, and their second round pick from 2016, who's played with uh, uh, Lokomotiv the last three years, and they're in the playoffs right now. Once they get eliminated, was, uh, Igor Orenko reported that you know he was going to head over to Toronto right away. Now that doesn't mean he's going to play with the Leafs, and probably means playing with the Marlies. But this guy is a completely unknown commodity in terms of. Since he was drafted, he has never been at a rookie camp. He has never been over to North America. He's never been at a training camp, not one minute. So they don't really know what they, what they have in him. And Kyle Dubas went over to Russia in January to, to basically, I think, make sure that the, the road was paved for him coming over. But mm-hmm. they, they, don't, they don't know what they have. And when they played Chicago on Wednesday and Alex Debrinkit scored his 38th goal, I'm not telling you something you don't know because we both said the <laughs> same thing a few years ago, you know, they 
they had the first pick in the second round, and they waited overnight and decided to pick Korshkov, who had a great world junior as a 19-year-old for Russia, instead of Dabrinkit, instead of Carter Hart, instead of Tyler Parsons, instead of Taylor, uh, Taylor Radish. I mean, there was uh, 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 Samuel Gerard. A lot of players that they passed over for a guy who was an unknown commodity right now. Yeah, no question. I mean, that's... And then so Korshkov, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that'll be uh, very interesting to to see what they'll have in him and see what he'll do when he does come over. So you'll know that soon. Now we're at the point in the evening where we're going to talk about a uh, a weird beer, and it just so happens that we've talked about plenty of pizza on this show, and we probably have talked about drinking beer with pizza. Hey, we had I had pizza. I, you know, as as a way of prepping for this evening's show, after I got it, you know, I actually had pizza uh, Friday night pizza, so I am ready. I am properly primed for this conversation. There you go. I yeah. did have a um, I had a Molson tonight. I when I don't feel like drinking anything too snooty, I'll have the um, the Molson with the high alcohol content. I forget what it's called right this moment, and so I had one of those tonight. Molson for doors. Not Bordeaux, it is like Bordeaux, but it's, um, uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, it doesn't matter. Triple but it's, Toronto traffic yeah. agrees. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, but well, let's talk about this beer called Mamma Mia Pizza Beer. This is absolutely friggin' disgusting, I have to say. It sounds, it sounds <laughs> gross. You can go to Mamma Mia. I start thinking, I start thinking, as soon as you set this up, Ross, all I'm going to say is, I started thinking of space balls and pizza the hut. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is how they make this beer. So it's made with a margarita pizza. Why they choose a margarita pizza, I don't know. Why they choose something with a thin it's crust. Extra, maybe the sauce is extra tart. Continue. Maybe. <laughs> so they put well, the no, pizza. no. A, a, a margarita pizza doesn't have sauce. Remember, a margarita pizza is basically a white it pizza. It does have. With a, oh, no, it doesn't tomato. have sauce. That's true. You're right. They call them margarita pizza. I guess I don't know if it's different because down here it's just okay. We just call it a white pizza in that circumstance. No, no, no. It's not a white. It has like chopped tomatoes and right and and other things. Oh, okay. But it doesn't okay. have okay. sauce. Yeah. And, gar- and okay. garlic and garlic and onions. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, they basically do it where they put it into the mash, a whole wheat crust. I don't know why they're choosing whole wheat. That doesn't. Well, I guess just because they need wheat, maybe. But either way, it's wheat. Whole wheat mash, flour and yeast, top with tomato, oregano, basil, and garlic. And the essence oh of pizza God. spice is washed off with hot water. It sounds like something I would vomit. Oh my God, that mix just seriously. It's just, uh, it's just. I, all I'm thinking of myself that mix is just like it's like it might as well just be pure bile. You know, it, it should just say on the label, "You've tried the best, now try the rest." Um, just because <laughs> it's the opposite of what it always says on every pizza box, because the label is really cheesy. Like it's, it looks like a bad pizza box label. So that's why I said it backwards, because it's like. I, I, I think I think I would rather eat the gristle from the old '96er than I would drink this <laughs> It is. I have to admit, it is a little crazy. It again, we're in an era now. I will also tell you this: there's another weird trend. I noticed I was at um, BJ's Wholesale Club tonight, and there's a weird trend to have unicorn food. And so, like, like right now, as we speak, there's actually a Kellogg's uniform, a unicorn, sorry, a unicorn um, cereal, 
with the colors of unicorns, and there's a uni- nice picture of a unicorn on the uh, um, on the box. What, what are we rebranding Lucky Charms now? No, no, no. It's a unicorn. It's not a leprechaun. Let's get that straight. They're two okay. different things, Aunt. All right. And then with the pop charts, they have a picture of a unicorn like on the icing of the pop chart, and there was another product that had like unicorn, I almost want to say they were um, bars, but I'm not sure what it was, but there were three unicorn food products tonight. Like, this is a trend now. This is an official trend. I don't know why. This is target marketing for the 45-year-old, 300-pound single woman who's into <coughs> rainbows and, and unicorns. That's simply what Excuse it is. Excuse you. It could be the single male, too. Could be. Males might believe in unicorns, too, Mike. That's true. Um, but it's just like we're, we're in a very weird spot right now in this world where everybody knows how to make beer. Like back in the old days, you know, there was like, you know, there was people made beer in Milwaukee. People made beer in a few other towns. And that was pretty much it. Now everybody makes beer. And so because everybody makes beer, now they're trying to just make it different. And so... Every week now, I'm able to find a crazier flavor than the last. Yeah, because everybody's making beer, a lot of it is crap. Yeah. It's, all, mean, it's stunt products, basically. They are what they are. They're stunt products. Yeah, yeah. And they, they put them out. And, but we're also in an era where they all get rated, and so some of the ratings aren't kind, you know? So it's like, you just, I don't know. It's okay. I'm just we're not endorsing it. I certainly wouldn't drink it, but it was worthy well, I, of just bringing up because it's a Friday night I, and why not? I know that I know that Russ would be would be sickened by this one, but I know around around Buffalo during during the fall they have the pumpkin spice beer with oh. gla- with, the, with the glass uh, the edge of the glass like a margarita uh, dipped in like cinnamon nut. Yeah. Disgusting. Yes. It's, it's, that sounds it's good. Gross. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what other kinds of weird beer gets thought up for next week. I could hardly wait, but right now uh, we're at a party point the in the hockey season. <laughs> we're at a point in the hockey season where things are happening, season's compressing. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep up with it. We'll have a few more um, free agent signings next week for the NCAA. We'll mention that, too. And that's it for Off the Post, and we'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody.